0: Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. I am the founder and host, Miss Genesis Kemp and with me today is a special guest by the name of Kim Meninger. and here's a bit about Kim. Kim is an executive coach, TEDx speaker, and the host of the Imposter Syndrome Files podcast. She specializes in empowering women in traditionally male-dominated environments to become more confident, visible, and influential leaders. Kim strives to be the resource to women that she wishes she had during her own corporate career. And today we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome and how she helps women manage that self-doubt, as well as weave in some other topics. But without further ado, please welcome the woman behind it all, Kim
1: Manager. Thank you so much for that warm introduction, Genesis. It's such a pleasure to be here today.
0: My pleasure, Kim. And before we dive into the meat and potatoes of the segment, as I call it, I definitely want to give the audience a chance to connect with you in a fun and personal way. And since you've done your due diligence, I'm sure you know what's next. Yes, I do. (laughs) So we can do an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? I would like the rapid fire 10 question. <laughs> Okie <Okay, laughs> dokie. Here we go. We're playing rapid fire with Kim and Genesis. Do, 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 Question number one. What is your favorite color? Yellow. Question two. If you could go anywhere in the world and money was no option, where would you be headed? Paris. Question three. What is your drink of choice, coffee, tea, or something else? Diet Coke, something (laughs) else. (laughs) Question four, if you could trade places
1: with anyone, who would it be? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I really admire Melinda Gates for her influence and ability to affect change on such a massive scale. So I'd love to see what it's like to be her for a while. (laughs) Question
0: five, if you could have any superpower, what would it be?
1: I think flying, um, cause I hate to fly in real life. So it'd be great to be able to just fly where I want to go. Question six,
0: if you could change one significant moment in your life, what would it be?
1: Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one because I feel like every moment has led me to where I am. um, I'm afraid that if I changed anything, I would change the course of my life and change where I am today. So I certainly wish that I had had more confidence when I was earlier in my career, um, but I'm grateful for the experiences that got me to where I am today. Awesome. <laughs> Seven, what is your
0: favorite book or movie?
1: Ooh, I'm a big fan of Pat Conroy. So I've always loved beach music and Prince of Tides his, his whole catalog. (laughs) Question
0: seven, no, eight. If you could interview any person on your podcast, past or present, who would it be?
1: Ooh, um, I would love to interview. I'd love to interview Amy Edmondson about psychological safety.
0: (laughs) Okay. That's a new one. Question nine, dream car dream home, or if you like me, who says you can't have it all? Let's go big and have both. (laughs) (laughs) I like the having both. I I like that idea. (laughs) Amazing. And question 10. It's our pass or play question, and here are the rules. If you pass, our roles are reversed, and you get to ask me a question. If you choose to play, I ask you one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play? I want to, I want to
1: pass because I have a question for you. Okie dokie. What's your question? I want I want to hear your answer to the question if you could interview anyone for your podcast, who it would be. Oh, I have a list of people. So I love comedy and
0: Right now, I like Tiffany Haddish's comedy, so I would interview Tiffany Haddish because since I love to laugh, I think we wouldn't even have a whole conversation. We would probably just be laughing all the way through, which laughter is good for the soul. (laughs) That would be a great episode. I'd love to hear it. (laughs) And thank you for playing Rapid Fire. So, oh, wait, and the other person I would want to interview is Elon Musk, just to pick his brain, just to hear like, you know, from childhood, he had these wild dreams and they're actually realities now. And so I think he's like, it's pretty awesome what he's doing.
1: Yeah, that would be really interesting
0: too. (laughs) Oh man. So let's dive into your expertise because you've all obviously been there, done that, So now you're helping other women really get out of imposter syndrome and manage that self-doubt, but also be mindful of self-awareness, self-care, and all of that good stuff. So what made you really focus on imposter syndrome?
1: Imposter syndrome was such a part of my own personal journey throughout my corporate career. I was in a constant state of anxiety and self-doubt, just always questioning whether I had what it took to be successful, to compete with the people around me, which I don't look at it as competition anymore. But at the time, I always felt like everyone around me was so much smarter. Everybody around me was so much more qualified or more worthy of being in the room than I was. And it just left me constantly questioning myself. And so when I started coaching and I started talking with other women, that's when I really started to realize wow, this is a very pervasive problem, and if we don't address this foundational issue, it makes it that much harder for women in particular to advance to higher levels, be more influential, really claim ownership of their own strengths, and so that's what motivated me to want to focus so heavily on this area.
0: And I think it's a good area to focus on because just like yourself, I came from a male dominated industry too. I was in oil and gas for 12 years and it's very It's a very tough industry. If you're a woman, it's very male dominated. And then the other complexity with myself is I'm first generation American. I'm a chocolate drop. And sometimes you don't always see people that look like you on the board of directors or in certain rooms where you're afforded the ability to go in. So it's like, okay, I have to do it for me, but also anyone else that's coming besides and behind me. So it's like, you put so much pressure on yourself, but no one require you to put that much pressure. You chose to put that pressure because you feel like I'm the only one. So I don't want to screw up, you know, because what is that going to say if someone else that looks like me comes along and wants to
1: work for this fortune 500 company? It's such an important point and definitely a big factor in the experience of imposter syndrome. People who are one of few, the only, the first, are much, more often to, are much more likely to experience imposter syndrome than others who feel like they're more aligned with the dominant culture or the culture of the leadership team around them. And that was certainly part of my experience too, was that I was promoted very quickly into a role where I was the youngest by far. So that was really triggering for me. And then also often the only woman. I was often in rooms full of men entirely, and it's just a different experience. You don't you know, you're, when you feel like you're the only one, you often feel like, is there something wrong with me? Am I doing this right? And it it creates a lot of anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And what industry did you come from, Kim? I was in high tech.
0: Oh, high tech. Okay. And then, um, One thing that I totally forgot to do is for our audience, those who do not know what imposter syndrome is, I think we should tell them the definition of it just so they're connecting the dots. So they'll be like, oh, okay, I've heard it
1: thrown around so many times, but do I have that? That's a very good point. Sometimes I take for granted that everybody understands that term, but really it's a term that's used to describe those feelings of inadequacy that we feel despite the fact that we're actually doing well to the outside world. So we may be performing at a high level, getting great feedback, but inside we feel like a fraud. We feel like it's only a matter of time before other people realize we don't actually belong in the role that we're in.
0: Yeah, and I would say that imposter syndrome, the the word has been around, but I, I don't feel like it gained much traction until recently. I think a lot of people were already dealing with this like years ago, but no one really knew how to connect the dots to make it make sense so for someone who's like okay I feel like a fraud but then whenever I go to work I show up and I do my best so am I just a fraud internally or am I a fraud externally and can you talk about that because I feel like people are constantly jugging especially in a fast-paced society where we wear multiple hats and I feel like they may have some remnants of an imposter syndrome in one area but not fully does that make sense Kim?
1: Yeah, I think it does. I think there is definitely an internal and an external component to imposter syndrome. There is a lot that we carry with us from our past experiences. And so one of the things I like to think about is the idea of touching a hot stove, right? If we touched a hot stove when we were kids, we're unlikely to ever touch that hot stove again. And so many of us may have experienced something challenging earlier in our careers when we didn't have as much context for it, or we didn't have the support system, or we didn't have the experience that we had today. And we carry that around with us as a limiting belief. I'm not good enough at this. And it's not true today. And so that, but that still sticks with us and it undermines our willingness to speak up or to engage in the most powerful way. And then there's also the point about the environment itself. And so if you work in an environment that lacks psychological safety, if you're in a situation where people are often you know, punished or humiliated for sharing their ideas or challenging the status quo, then we learn by watching that experience. And that also is something that we internalize and we say it's not safe for me to share my ideas. And we start to doubt ourselves on that front. So it's it's very much a function of a lot of different conditions, a lot of different experiences that we've had throughout our lifetime.
0: Yeah. And I think whenever you think about the experiences that we've had for our lifetime, some of those can very well start from childhood and people who have adverse um, childhood experiences and the traumas where they've Heard, you're not good enough. You're not gonna be you're not gonna be able to achieve that. Why are you thinking about that? That's so crazy. And then from childhood into adolescence into adulthood, you see how that's carried over with them unless they address the root cause and the problem, then I feel like then. That imposter syndrome is that seed is planted into them at a young age and they can't shake it if they never confront what has been told to them and they see, okay, this is not who I am. This is what someone else projected onto me, but this does not have to be my perception or reality.
1: Yes, such a great point. And I think about this a lot too, because if we go back to the old cliche of hurt people hurt people, right, I think that's a really good way to characterize what we're talking about here. So when we're children, and we get some kind of a message from our parents or other influential figures that that we interpret as we're not enough. um, And we carry that with us, then we see the world through that lens. And then we interpret everything that we experience through that particular filter. And we don't, actually take the time to re-examine it and ask ourselves if that's an appropriate interpretation of what was meant by some of the messages because sometimes we're just so you know psychologically immature our brains aren't sophisticated enough to take in those messages in a more nuanced way or maybe we had parents that were afraid they were afraid on our behalf they didn't want us to make the same mistakes that they did or they were trying to live through us in some way and that's about them it's not about us and we see this in the workplace as well so many of us have worked in environments where we've worked for bad managers and we take that on and we we don't stop to examine is this about me or is this about someone else's insecurities is this about somebody else's baggage and if we can try to remember to think in context about that it can help us to keep in perspective our own role in the situation. Of course, there are things we can be doing better. Nobody's perfect, right? And there's, an, there's, a, there's space to think about whether there's an opportunity to do things differently. But a lot of the time, the feedback that you're getting or the um, interactions that you're having tell you far more about the other person than they tell you about you.
0: That's a great point. So it's always important to reflect on the feedback that you that you receive and say, okay, is this really me? Does it really apply to me? And if it does apply to you, then build upon it. If it doesn't, thank the person that they cared enough and put it in your back pocket until you need it later on. But don't be so quick to rely on what everyone says, because what everyone says about you may or may not be true, and that's okay. We have to stop wearing our heart on our sleeves, and I feel like in order to overcome this um, dichotomy when it comes to imposter syndrome, it's like you really have to take time to really understand who you are and how you show up. What are your skills, what what are your talents? How are you adding value? what solidifies you and make sure that you are solely rooted and you're steadfast in knowing that knowing that you are who you were created to be give your space give yourself space to grow whether it's personally or professionally and then also know that you'd rather have progression over perfection, because as long as you're making progress, you could always fine tune it later on down the line. And this journey is personal to you. And whenever you feel like, okay, I'm not connecting or firing on all cylinders, it's okay to ask for help from a paid and trained professional. And it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength to show, okay, I want to be better. And in order for me to be better and personally and professionally develop, I need to link arms with someone who has been where I am
1: and has surpassed it. I love everything that you just said there. And I want to echo some things because part of the imposter syndrome experience is that we are very heavily dependent on external validation. So we're always looking to other people for how we see ourselves. And so you bring up such an important point that one of the most effective strategies for combating imposter syndrome is to really understand who we are and who we want to be. What are our core values? And so I think about this a lot because fear is a baseline default experience that every one of us will have whenever we're stepping into anything uncomfortable. It's just part of how we're wired. So we always have to find what's bigger than the fear in order to push through that and get to who we're meant to be and and reach our full potential. And if you have a really clear understanding of what your core values are, I stand for this. This is how I want to be experienced. This is how I want to show up in the world. Then when you find yourself at a crossroads and you can ask yourself, you know, do I follow the path of fear or do I follow the path of showing up in alignment with my core values? And so knowing that is step one. And I love what you're saying about getting external support, because a lot of times we don't have, we either don't have a practice for this, or we feel like we don't have time. And so it's really helpful to have someone who can guide you through the process of really thinking about some of these deeper questions that don't show up in our everyday busy lives.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you added that um, to the mix because you're definitely an expert in this and you've been doing it longer than I have. So, Kim, uh, whenever you think about how you help women and really get a woman to see, okay, you are a you are a baddie or some people say, oh, I'm that Badass woman, or I'm that super woman. Or, and then they start to come into their confidence, like they begin to walk it like they talk it. You see how they light up. You see their tonality in their voice. You see, like, maybe their outward appearance changes, like the way they take ownership of putting pride into what they wear so they could command the attention. And when they walk into that room, they're walking in there with their he- head held up high. They're having confidence. They're not second guessing themselves. They're not seeking validation or appeasement but from other people who were never meant to be in their lane. And they're not like really arrogant, like how the men are arrogant, but they're just so true to themselves. What are some tips, tools, and resources to help get that woman to that next step? Or like I tell people, for those track stars, let's jump over those hurdles and keep on going because the finish line is up ahead, <laughs>
1: That. Uh, so there's a couple things that I would start with. And number one, going back to what we were talking about your core values is I'm, I'm a big fan of observing first because we have to understand what's happening before we can intervene and try to change anything. And so what I recommend is that for anybody who can relate to what we're talking about, start with watching yourself in action and really get clear on when you feel like an imposter in the workplace, what's happening in that moment. Is it limiting beliefs that you're thinking? Maybe you're telling yourself that, no, if this were a good idea, someone else would have shared it already. You're worrying that you're going to sound stupid. So you're holding back and you're you're sitting on the sidelines. Is it something external? Are there intimidating figures in the room? People who maybe have been Um, bullying or have had, you've had some tension with in the past, so they make you anxious and it makes you not show up as effectively as you'd like to, or maybe they remind you of somebody else, right? Is there something else about the room? Maybe it's not an inclusive space. And so you just don't feel like you can be yourself, but I'm a big believer in really defining what those triggers are because they're different for everybody. And when you understand what the triggers are, then you can anticipate them and be prepared to manage them when they do show up. I also think it's really important to know what the opposite looks like, too, because one thing about imposter syndrome is that when we feel like an imposter, an imposter it feels like this sweeping chronic state. But even within a day, there are going to be meetings where you feel like an imposter, and there are going to be meetings when you feel neutral, and there are going to be meetings when you feel great. And so what's the difference? What's happening when you feel great? What's happening when you feel like you're firing on all all cylinders, like you said? Uh, And then how can you compare and contrast those two scenarios so that you can create more of the conditions that have led you to that confidence space and really try to either minimize or prevent some of those triggers that bring you down?
0: Ooh, I love that. And I would say... Y'all start to journal about it because then if you start to make note of this is what happened, this is how I reacted, this is how I feel, then you could start to see your own personal development and the shift that you're coming into. And sometimes all it starts with like a is a is your mindset, like really shifting those paradigms and just getting you to think about things in a different way. And I tell people, if you aren't if you aren't the prey, you're the predator. And I tell people, if you keep looking for approval from other people, you're going to die by their rejection. And that's a quote that someone else said. I can't remember who said it, but it's so true. And then the other thing that I want to say here is that each one of us was created different for a reason. So why are you trying to be a carbon copy when you were already created to be original? So think about that. If The universe, if God or whoever you choose to believe in created you a specific way, why not take ownership that you're different and embrace those differences and build upon it? Mm, I love it. So Kim, I'm going to throw you an audible as we begin to wind down. Is there anything else that you want to say about imposter syndrome that I may not have asked you about? And if not, we will
1: jump into the call to action. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I just want to echo what you're saying about being your own self and not trying to conform because I do believe that it's part of our hardwiring evolutionarily to want to fit in. And when we feel different, we sometimes feel like we're doing it wrong. But really, where our true value lies is in differentiating ourselves from other people it's a scary thing to do but it's a very powerful thing to do and so when you find yourself starting to doubt yourself because you don't feel like everybody else turn it around and ask yourself how does this make me special how is this actually an asset rather than you know a deficiency in some way
0: love it (laughs) and let's jump into the cta our call to action so kim what is your call to action for the audience today
1: So I would love to invite anybody who is interested in exploring this further to visit my website at yourcareersuccess.com. There's an imposter syndrome challenge there that shares a question every day for seven days to get you to think more deeply. It's going to be, you know, some of the exercises that we've been talking about will be incorporated there. So it'll give you a little bit more structure for thinking about your own experience.
0: And then Kim, for those who are social butterflies, where
1: do you hang out primarily on social media? LinkedIn is my primary spot I share a lot of resources there would love to connect with anybody who's interested.
0: And for those of you her LinkedIn is Kim and then last name manager so it's M as in Mary, E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, I as in Isaac, and as in No, G as in Ginger, E as in Echo or as in Richard and all of her contact information will be in the show notes. Just scroll on down and tap in with Kim so you can learn more about imposter syndrome and level up. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. You could also follow us on YouTube to see all things video content by going to GEMS, G-E-M-S with Genesis Amaris Kemp for video. And lastly, but not least, I want to thank each one of you for continuing to support the mission to bring content that is educational, inspirational, and motivational, while we also weave in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Because yes, it does take all of us coming together to make this world a better place. And most importantly, supporting the subject matter experts that I bring into the community. So until the next episode, next segment, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Trust yourself. Remember, you are an asset, not a liability. You were created on purpose for a purpose. So stop living in the shadows of other people and release your inner and outer glow. Till next time.